Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Nina Turner and you are watching Unbossed and I am so excited. Not only do we have a wonderful show for you as we do every single day, I have a special guest. So we're gonna start off our show with a magnificent interview and the person that I am interviewing today. I've had the pleasure of working with all across this country on issues to lift, to edify, to use power in a very just way. From our fights within the DNC to get our Democratic Party to stand up more for the least of these, right. to helping other candidates, to his very own race as the attorney general of the great <laughs> state of Minnesota. Oh, and I left out how we rocked and rolled with one another on the campaign of none other, Senator Bernard Sanders from the great state of Vermont. That's right. Now, you all probably know exactly who I am talking about. If I said George Floyd case, ding, 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 ding. You would know exactly who I'm talking about, but he is so much more than that case. And he is an author of a new book titled Break the Wheel. I have none other than Attorney General Keith Ellison on the show today. AG, how are you doing? Hey, good to be with you, my sister. Good to see you. And I listen to your show all the time. I love it. Please keep it up. Please keep doing it. You are a voice that we need. And anybody who's listening to you, is wise to be doing it. And I hope you are subscribing and giving her all them stars and all that. We need it. Well, we do need it. Thank you, Attorney General. Yes, subscribe, like, become a member of TYT. Thank you. I didn't even expect the AG to put that out there. So, AG, I just want people to, I mean, they know that you're serving right now as the Attorney General of the great state of Minnesota. You were the lead, you, your team, and you always, I mean, you did this in a way that very few leaders would do. You allowed your great team to do their work, but you became more nationally and internationally known because of the prosecution of what happened in the George Floyd death case, former and, and the conviction of former Minnesota police officer Derek Chauvin on the charge of second degree murder. Now, before you became the Attorney General of the great state of Minnesota, you represented them in the United States House of Representatives. It is a seat now that Rep Ilhan Omar holds. I remember us campaigning to, to help her get elected. And you are an author extraordinaire. The title of the book again, Break the Wheel, Ending the Cycle of Police Violence. Yes, our team has just put that book up. Please get that book. I am reading that book right now. It will open your eyes to so many things. It gives us a behind the scenes look at what was happening in that case and so much more. So AG, you refer to the need to end the cycle of police violence as a reckoning. And you go right. even further to say that it's a racial reckoning. Why this description and do you believe our country is ready to deal with this reckoning? Well, we certainly can. We can end police violence, but we've got to do two things. And if you don't do these two things, you might not be able to do much of anything. First thing is you've got to prosecute crime, whether the perpetrator has a badge or not. And if you have a system of impunity where some people can just murder others and never help and never face accountability, there's no level of training or other stuff that's ever going to work. And then the other thing you got to do is you got to use administrative discipline. You've got to fire people, you know, and you've got to and you've got to get 
letters in their in their uh, employment file fast when they abuse the laws. Uh, and you know you've got to you've got to have strict discipline. One of the things we saw in the George Floyd case involving Derek Chauvin, the one who the man who killed him, is he had 18 uh, excessive force complaints. And like, how did if if somebody would have intervened with Derek Chauvin at 12? Called him in the office and said, what is going on with you? Why are you having all these complaints? What are you doing wrong? You know what, he may have quit the force, he may have been fired, but he wouldn't be doing 22 and a half years in prison. George Floyd would be alive. So all this lax administrative stuff where you just don't hold people accountable, it, it, it actually makes, uh, it actually, you're setting them up for failure. I tell you, there's one case, uh, Senator, that, uh, that the world does not know that much about, and that is a case involving John Pope, who was 14 years old when Derek Chauvin kneeled on his neck for 17 minutes. Oh my. Now this kid, John Pope didn't die, but when he got, after, after Derek Chauvin got investigated and all the cases started coming to light, um, he got indicted for that crime federally and ended up having to plead guilty to it. But his administrators and his sergeants are like, oh, well, that's not a problem. So we gotta hold them accountable. Yeah, AG, your point about, I mean, basically what you're saying is that the leadership, the temperature or the culture, if you will, right. of any law enforcement agency primarily starts at the top. And that any of the fissures or failures that is primarily about the culture of the department itself, primarily and not holding law enforcement officials accountable, getting right. them the support that they need, praising them when necessary, right. but making Absolutely. sure that you hold them accountable. But you know, AG, there will be a group, there are certain people in this country who would say it's not law enforcement. It's unfair to expect law enforcement to solve all of the ills of this country. Uh, it's not it's not fair to them. They under high pressure, high stress jobs. Why should they be held accountable for, you know, this is par for the course. What happens in the streets, what they see on a regular basis, and why should they be held accountable for their actions? Well, they have to be accountable because the Constitution to the United States uh, says that there'll be no unreasonable searches and seizures. Basically, it means the government cannot use arbitrary violence and force against you and take your stuff. If you're gonna call yourself a democracy, not a dictatorship, not a something, a monarchy, whatever, you know, if you're gonna call yourself a representative democracy, you've got to have restrictions and controls on the government. And government agents, armed agents of the state, beating people with no with impunity means that you live in a police state. So that's why there's gotta be accountability because the, the people of the United States deserve to live in a democratic nation where there's accountability under law and where there's restrictions on government action. Also, the equal protection clause. You got it. You can't say that some people are, it's open season on them. George Floyd is a black man who's unemployed. Therefore, anyone, any, you can do whatever you want to him. He has no rights, which a white man's bound to respect. You know what I mean? You know, you can't. So, so that's why there's got to be accountability. But here's the third reason. I just got to tell you this: police officers who want to protect and serve 
are absolutely up to doing their job right. Don't insult the, the men and women who serve in departments every day trying to do the right thing by saying that they can't be expected to do the right thing. There's a black woman police officer in Buffalo, New York. Her name is Carrie L. Horn. She saw her partner abusing a suspect in custody. I remember she, that case. She physically intervened and they fired her. Yes. And she, it took her 15 years to get her pension and her job back. Let's support Carrie L. Horn. That's right. That's exactly. But AJ, you go, you, you leading us down the path of. There is, going back to culture, there is this notion within the law enforcement agencies that you protect at all costs. In other words, regardless of whether or not it's clear that your right. colleague transgressed in a way that takes somebody's life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness away, being a part of the club is right. more important than standing up for the truth. And that is why, you know, Ms. Horn was not supported because she went against the internal code. You know of right. law enforcement agencies, and that's that's unfortunate because it does hurt good law enforcement officers. And I keep saying law enforcement because you and I know, and I know many of our viewers know, there's sheriff department, police department, right? All of you know, them. others, not just the police, it's other law enforcement agents oh, yeah. uh, out there trying to do their job. Ag, I want to go back to something that you said about the training. There's also another uh, thought that you know we need some cultural competency. If only they had training. Now, while I do agree that law enforcement Officers should get all the training that they need, but there comes a certain point. Uh, to me, that the the Chauvin case is one example. What happened to George Floyd is one example of a point that I'm about to make. But I right. want to hear your opinion on that. Sometimes all the training in the world is not going to train hate out of your heart, <laughs> or the fact that you don't respect the community that you are in fact sworn to protect and to serve. What are your thoughts? I mean, and you and I were talking before we went live about some of the worst cases that have happened right here in my home city of Cleveland in the great state of Ohio. I mean, what happened to Tamir Rice comes to mind as you talk about why are we keeping track of office of people who should not be officers? I mean, the, right. the, the, the officer that shot and killed Tamir Rice should have never been hired by the Cleveland Police Department, but he was because his previous department said this man should not be a police He's officer. Unfit. Yeah, right. But he was he was he was hired anyway. So I guess I'm putting two questions out there. Do sure. you believe we can train hate out of somebody's heart or disdain out of somebody's heart? And then secondly, what will it take to get a national database that just right. tracks uh, the record, like the true record after investigations have been done? Because I know people sometimes will lie on law enforcement too. So we're gonna put that in the parking lot. But the true record of law enforcement agents, uh, uh, law enforcement officers, so that everybody has a view of what this officer has done. Well, on the first thing, I absolutely believe in training. I think training is important. I also believe that you you can't train somebody uh, to to know that they need to get off somebody after nine and a half minutes after being their neck. On, on their neck when they've been unresponsive for half that time, when they haven't said a word. I mean, when a nine-year-old girl is yelling, get off him. What, how, look, the academy doesn't supposed to make you dumber. The academy is supposed to make you smarter. Why did a nine-year-old girl and three 17-year-old girls and other people who never went to the academy know that George Floyd needed medical intervention, but these four guys didn't know it? 
Oh, and one of them did know it. One of them even said it, but he didn't do it. So my point is, yeah, training is important, but humanity is even more important. And and so like, you know, Officer Brillo shoots that couple 137 times. They're unarmed in a car. The only yeah. thing they did is they had the exhaust, you know, do a, you know, one of those, you know, sometimes your car makes a, it a backfire. Noise. Yeah, the backfire. The, the backfire. So them. there were officers, AG, you know, 137 shots, but Brillo shot 40. He jumped on the hood of the car and shot 40 shots into their car. They had no weapons at all. Standing on the hood, firing the hood. down into the car. I mean, and then, you know, and then the judge lets him go, right? Yeah, this was clean. And, and I'm gonna tell yeah. you, I don't think a jury would have let him go. But mm-hmm. but but my point is, this is not a matter of training. That's it's a matter of do you respect other human beings or do you not? Are you on the department so you can use a gun and bully people and make do people do what you want to do, and or are you on the department to protect and preserve life and help people who are vulnerable and need your help? And some people are, and some people ain't. We need to get rid of the ones who are there for the wrong reasons and. So like uh, you know, so and like those those five guys who beat Tyree Nichols. Yes. I mean those yes. guys, you know, don't need. I mean I couldn't see them having any human compassion for him. They were they were literally torturing him, and they and and so and so like that's not a training problem. They had a lot of training. They were elite training unit. That's right. And in Derek Chauvin's case, he we showed in the trial that he had every CPR click cat case. I mean, class, he had every CPR class. He knew how to administer chest compressions. Even after George Floyd went uh, unconscious, he knew how to take a pulse, took the pulse. There was no pulse. He didn't care. So, I mean, at some point, yes, training, we need training. But, but a lot of these horrendous murders, they're not close calls. They are horrendous abuses of human rights. And you mentioned the Tamir Rice case. How does the Cleveland Department put put uh, that man on the on the force. What was his name? Lowen or something like that? Mm-hmm. How, yes. does he get on the, how does he get on the force? You got another department that says this guy is mentally unfit to be here. And you had the caller say, yeah, I don't think it's a real gun. Within seconds, he gets out the gun, blah, 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 kills a 12 year old kid. This guy never should have been there. What we need and, and what we need to do is we need to help the, the profession of policing, which I believe is a noble profession. I'm I'm not anti-police at all, but I believe that it's a- and Neither we, am I. Yeah, I think we need we need police uh, to, to operate within a constitutional human rights framework. Because look, I'm a prosecutor. I know people are raped, robbed, yes. drive-by shootings, crime happens. And police are an important partner in protecting people, but they gotta do their job constitutionally or this is what happens. People won't call them, people won't cooperate with them. And people who commit crimes, if you're in a neighborhood saying, look, we're gonna run a drug game here, we're gonna sell dope up in here, and whoever doesn't like it, we're gonna eliminate them with violence. Now, the people who live in that neighborhood are gonna be like, I don't want these criminals doing this stuff, but I'm I'm nervous about what the police are gonna do when they show up. You can't it has to be a trust factor. I mean, the police need the community trust. and the community needs the police. AG, in your book, you know, Break the Wheel, you you give us a behind the scenes look at what happened during the 
the Chauvin case. Are there any other like highlights or things that you want to uplift for people who are yes. going to read this book, who have not read this book, but just to give them a taste of more because you're giving it to us. Just a few things that you would like to highlight about the book itself. You know what, Nino, I was so impressed with those ordinary regular people who stopped to raise their voices and to pull out their cell phones and take what happened to George Floyd. This is a man they didn't know, they didn't know him. He was just a human being suffering and they stopped and they did the best they could to try to protect his life. Then they show up a year later to testify about what they saw. To me, if you're ever cynical about whether people are good or not, all you need to do is look at those people on that corner. And here's the thing, Nina, some were black, some were white, some were Latino. We had, it was a it was a bouquet of humanity. Some were kids, some were older, and so it was everybody. And then when the people were protesting what happened to George Floyd, that was a multiracial group. Even though everybody knew this happened to a black person, they said, you know, I might not be black, but I'm still, but I think this is wrong and I'm gonna get in the street with my sign and raise my voice. So, you know, those are things that I want people to feel like hope about, right? This is a tragedy, but there's hope after tragedy. If we organize, if we get together, if we see each other as each other's fellow human being, there are great things that can happen. And we need to keep the pressure on Congress. There's no excuse for them not passing the George Floyd Justice Act. Not at all. And you just mentioned the national database, the national registry to enter those bad cops into that registry so they can't leave one department and just go to another. You mean you asked me about that a moment ago and I just want to make yes. make clear that's in the George Floyd Justice of Policing Act. Yeah, we need it. I mean, we absolutely need it and it will help law enforcement too because most law enforcement officers like any profession, you don't want bad people there. You, you want people want who are people. noble cuz it hurts right. everybody. Uh AG you know, and I, my final question for you during this uh, interview, and hopefully you'll come back and be with us, is a lot of people are cynical right now. They really have lost hope in uh, in in systems. Period. But especially the legal system. I know we're talking right. about policing, but there's an entire oh my legal system from yeah, the right. to say from the courts to the streets. We're talking about the street side, which happens to be police and sheriffs and the other law enforcement agencies. What would you say to people? I guess you kind of already kind of gave an example about the bystanders that came to the rescue yeah. of George Floyd. But what would you say to people who would say, Attorney General, like we like all the recommendations that you are making. We like what you're saying in this book about how we change things, how we end police violence. But you know what, sir? I don't believe that this is ever gonna happen. I don't believe that we can do this as a nation. What would you say to people who wanna get involved, but they don't believe that their involvement will make a difference? Well, you know, Rosa Parks didn't think that segregation was ever gonna end, but she still said, I'm not moving and I don't care. And we're gonna take this as far as we can take it. Martin Luther King said the same thing, Malcolm X said the same thing. All of our ancestors who ever stood up for freedom didn't know what the outcome was gonna be. They weren't guaranteed that there were gonna be love and peace in Nirvana, but they stood up anyway. And that's what we must do now. This is an organizing moment. Get involved, get involved now. And if you start now, we might, you never know where we might take it. We might see a new birth of freedom in this country. I know that's right. All of you, we have been graced by the presence of Attorney General Keith 
Ellison from the great state of Minnesota. He is the author of the book Break, Break the Wheel, Ending Police Violence in America. You need to pick up that copy, run, go, go online, pick up the copy of this book and read it and become part of the solution by learning from one of the greatest attorney generals ever. And yes, I am very biased, but one of the greatest attorney generals ever. You know, A.G. Ellison, the great state of Minnesota is blessed to have you, but we as citizens, as people in the United States of America are very, very blessed to have you as well. You showed in a time of great turmoil. We know that the marches that hit internationally because of what happened to George Floyd. It is, sir, I believe because of you and the team that you led, that you restored some hope in this country and you lit the path that change is, systemic change is absolutely possible. If we have people in elected spaces and activist spaces who are willing, ready, and able to use the power to do good. And you, sir, have certainly used your power in many offices to do so much good in the world. Love you, Nina. I love you too. Break the wheel. You guys make sure you pick up a copy. Thank you, Mr. AG. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back to the show. I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Attorney General Keith Ellison. I know I enjoyed it so much. Break the Wheel is the name of his book, Ending the Cycle of Police Violence. Please make sure you support this book. And as a society, we should take up some of the recommendations that the Attorney General has made about how to make policing in America so much better. Now, you know, I want you to become a member of TYT, right? I'm so glad that you're watching. If you're watching live, Thank you so much for that. If you're catching us on video on demand, that's a beautiful thing or on the podcast. But we need you to become a member for $4.99 a month. That investment will help us continue to be the strong journalistic outlet that we are. You want to keep independent media strong, baby, in the way that we stay strong is because of you, so become a member. And don't forget that you can tune in to TYT's Pride Special on Thursday, June the 1st. That is today, baby, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. And we'll, they'll be joined by a host of guests, and some of them are our very own Marissa Matthews, Benny Carrillo, and so many others. It's going to be hosted by John Adiola and Adrian Lawrence, and they will be discussing the biggest issues facing the LGBTQ plus community. You don't want to miss out on that. Watch on tyt.com slash live, you want to do that. And you can also find TYT on Snapchat and TikTok by searching for at the Young Turks. And don't forget to follow us, those YouTube shorts, you don't want to miss them. Now to my absolute favorite part of the show. I'm starting off with some members of the Dragon Squad are in the house. I've got to shout out the Dragon Squad. Haiku Dragon, I guess I'm behind the times. I hadn't heard about the couple in the car getting shot. When was that? So Haiku Dragon, that happened unfortunately in Cleveland, Ohio. Well, it started in Cleveland, Ohio and it ended in a suburb East Cleveland, Ohio. But that actually happened in 2012. November 29th, 2012, there was a police chase. Police claimed that they were being shot at. 
Long story less long, it turns out that it was an older vehicle and it, the, the car had backfired because of the old carburetors. And the police shot at this car 137 times. It's on par to what law enforcement did to Bonnie and Clyde. And Bonnie and Clyde were criminals. They shot at this car 137 flipping times. And one police officer, last name Brillo, decided to jump his behind up on the hood of the car and shoot point blank range into the car. He lucky to be alive. He lucky that he didn't get shot at because all those shots were coming at those two people. It turns out that they had no weapons whatsoever, just a car backfire. That's what happened. Brillo was the only officer in that case to go to court, go to trial, and he was let off. So there you have it, Haiku Dragon, sad. Disco Darling, 1966. Once again, all black Americans want is equal protection under the law. And we're still fighting for this in 2023. You got that right, Disco Darren. 1966, that's all we want, that's what every American should want. And again, we are so fortunate as a nation to have attorney Keith Ellison at the helm in the great state of Minnesota. I wish we had more like him all over the country. Unicorn Dragon, hey Unicorn Dragon, the People's Senator Nina Turner. That's that's how Unicorn Dragon wrote it, thank you baby, I received that. And Mr. Mint Mintler. Early dinner means I get to see Nina finish up today though. Oh, thank you, baby. I appreciate you on that. Jesus, I'm getting the rap sign. There's so many comments. I'm gonna do a few more YouTube super chat. Lucy Mustra, you are so right. A.G. Ellison, Nina Turner is such a great lady. Thank you so much. And Amy Jarrell, great to see State A.G. here. Welcome to the best show, Keith. Also, Nina, fantastic glasses today. I'm trying to keep up with y'all. Okay, now I got to skip on to the TYT members. My apologies for all the commenters. We're not able to get to all of you today. A big welcome to AG, to the AG. Amen to that. Another radical dragon or sexy speed racer, because another radical dragon, you went long on me today, baby. I can't read your comments today. Sexy speed racer, hey, baby. Exactly, Nina is tribalism, protect the tribe over everything else, it's disgusting. You are absolutely right and I believe Sexy Speed Racer is making that comment in reference to a culture within policing that protects even bad actors, even when the evidence is overwhelmingly clear that this person was in the wrong. Well, thank you all so much for joining us today and thank you for all of your comments. Y'all know I love this part of the show, I'm really upset that I can't read more comments, but hopefully we'll get to more of you tomorrow. Now, bringing conscious Lee who is in the house to finish up the show. A couple of days ago, Jake Tapper gave President Biden a reality check. Take a look at this and this reality check has me saying WTF neoliberal, you'll know why soon. We will now kneel. Miss Cinema, Miss Cinema, no. I have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. Horrible news, horrible for Joe Biden and our new CNN poll. While the president leads his Democratic competitors by a huge margin, two thirds of all of the American people surveyed, 66% of the public say that a Biden victory would either be a setback or a disaster. David, when it comes to how voters see Joe Biden and another presidential term, I mean, that those are some bad numbers. Well, I mean, just your basic favorability, favorable opinion or unfavorable opinion of Joe Biden. Look at how Americans are rating him, Jake. I mean, 35% favorable, that is remarkably low. 
That is our C the CNN poll and Jake Tapper laid it out. He did not mince words, horrible, horrible, horrible. Laid out the fact that the majority of Americans think that if this president is reelected, it just would not be good for the country. And if you think that this just, if this is just applies to Republicans out to get Biden, I want you to think Again, this headline from March, nearly half of Democrats don't want Biden to run in 2024, a poll finds. So this is not just Republicans who may be on some political retribution tour. This is about Democrats and it is about independent voters who are they just not into them at this point. Yet Democrats within the bubble of Congress and those neoliberals who have power, the brunch bunch, they want to try to ram President Joe Biden down the throats of Americans. They want to disregard what the American people are saying. And so much so that the DNC refuses, absolutely refuses to hold primary debates. And as we remember this reporting from the Washington Post on April 20th, the National Democratic Party has said it will support Biden's reelection. There's no surprise there. He is the you know, the titular head of the party, that's not the surprise. And it has no plans to sponsor any primary debates. Now that's where they wrong. We know that Marianne Williamson is a candidate in this race and also Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is a candidate so far in the race. Only those two so far on the Democratic side, whole host on the Republican side, but that's what it is. And so for much of mainstream media and shout out to CNN on this one, but much of mainstream media is acting as though there are no challengers in the Democratic primary. Nothing can be further from the truth. In that same CNN poll, it showed that both Marianne Williamson and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. are in double digits. But yet they act as though nobody is running in the primary. Let's put up a tweet from Marianne Williamson. The DNC plans no primary debates as though there are there simply are no other candidates, no other ideas. We should discuss about ways to win in 2024 or other ideas. We should discuss about ways to repair the country. Too many people are too smart to accept this. And I totally agree with Marianne Williamson on that. And it's obvious because the American people in the polls are showing that they don't like the choices that they have both on the Republican side or the Democratic side in terms of who the front runners are at this moment. And then my stunt double weighed in on this as well. In 2020, the RNC didn't hold presidential primary debates. In 2024, the DNC or in 2020, the RNC, didn't hold primary a presidential primary debates in 2024. The DNC doesn't plan on having primary debates. Both moves take away from the democratic process. The DNC should hold debates. A reminder that Biden isn't alone in this race. He isn't some king, though he is the king of the neoliberals. RFK Jr. and the aforementioned Marianne Williamson are candidates. And no matter what you feel about them, they deserve the right to have their ideas on display, to let the American people get a taste of how they feel on certain policies and how they would lead. But here we are, where neoliberals are so insistent on squashing any competition that they are ignoring the realities of another Biden term. That that reality right now, at least in the eyes of the American people across the board, is that they do not have good choices 
they want other choices right now. But it's not just the Democrats, the GOP have their own Trump problems. Despite the fact that he is leading the GOP primary by a large margin, this headline from April. Most Americans don't want Trump or Biden to run again, a poll finds. So the American people are not pleased with the choices that we have right now in terms of front runners. They're not pleased at all and they're making it known. But the neoliberals and the Democratic Party, they're trying to pretend like the polls don't exist. That the American people, all oh, those pesky American people, what do they know? We're gonna tell them how they should think and feel. So, but here we are. Consciously, your thoughts on this conundrum. Man, uh, poetically in America, we got two older white men not being able to read the room, and uh, unfortunately, that's that's what's going down. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, uh, in the words of Fanny Fanny Lou Hammer, uh, the American people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And what we see right now is that the illusion of choice makes it where we got the choice between bad and better. Um, that sounds very familiar. It sounds uh, very reminiscent of uh, 16 and 20, and it sounds like 24. So shout out to the older white dudes and uh, man. Hopefully, y'all desires of political, whatever y'all trying to do, don't come at the expense of American people. But man, we finna see right now, it's finna implode. Yeah, it is. I mean, and President Biden, let's face it. I mean, he was, people mainly voted for him because he was not Trump. That is how he won this election. And now the American people have had almost four years and they're like, well, you know, this this ain't quite working for us. Cause Big Mama and Big Papa are suffering all over this country. So that is where we are now. Hopefully we won't be in the same position months from now. Anything could happen in this 2024 roller coaster ride. So get ready, y'all. Buckle up. It's gonna be a ride. And in this WTF neoliberal segment, while we own neoliberals, let's just go to another neoliberal who is the prince of neoliberals, and that is Representative Hakeem Jeffries, and he's misleading defense of of Biden and this debt ceiling deal. One such Democrat who refuses to wake up and smell the roses or the tulips or something, just be in something, I should say, just be in tune with the American people is House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, who offered up this propaganda following the passage of the horrendous debt limit deal in the House. Take a look and a listen. President Biden protected Social Security, President Biden protected Medicare, President Biden protected Medicaid, President Biden protected veterans, President Biden protected the Inflation Reduction Act, President Biden protected the clean energy tax credits that will be transformational, President Biden protected billions of dollars in funding to combat environmental injustice. And President Biden protected the American people from the types of devastating cuts proposed by right-wing extremists that would have hurt millions of everyday Americans. Just name calling just ain't gonna get it. I mean, really. I mean, these fools act like they're in elementary school. I mean, a preschooler could have done better than that. So let's swiftly fact check Representative Jeffries on this, courtesy of our friends at The Lever. Shout out to The Lever for staying on top of this administration at all times. This headline right here, y'all, I want to throw up so many papers right now. I really, really do. I'm just so over this. Debt 
deal gives fossil fuel lobby a legal shield. Now you heard, you just heard Representative Hakeem Jeffries said that President Biden is protecting the environment, but here we are, this headline, debt deal gives fossil fuel lobby a legal shield. That's exactly what it does. Industry don donations flow to key dem senators just before a major pipeline approval was slipped into the debt ceiling bill. And let us not forget the Willow Project. We have a current president and Joseph R. Biden who said that he would protect public lands from further drilling. The Willow Project is one of the worst. Environmental justice activists and other science, climate scientists are out there ringing the bell, sounding the alarm, letting it be known that Mother Earth is in trouble, which means we are in trouble. But yet this current president is allowing that to take place even worse than what President Donald J. Trump did at the time. And so when you have people who care more about the personality, the cult of personality, than they do about the issues themselves. This is very, very telling because if President Donald J. Trump had pushed for the Willow Project, which I believe absolutely he would have, these same neoliberals will be crying bloody murder. But since it is President Biden, they say nair word. They believe as Representative Hakeem Jeffries did, does that President Biden is the savior. I don't know why Representative Hakeem Jeffries is calling him a savior though, because the president was just quoted as saying, don't compare him to the almighty. This headline right here, push for IRS cuts, Confirm top GOP priority enabling tax cheating by the super rich. Further evidence that this was never about the debt. It's about squeezing families to protect billionaires. This reporting coming from Common Dreams. Where's all that protection that Representative Hakeem put out there? The Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, noted last month that cutting the $80 billion from the IRS funding boost that Democratic lawmakers approved as part of the, of the Inflation Reduction Act would add to the federal budget deficit by constraining the agency agency's ability to audit the tax returns of rich individuals and corporations. So here we are yet again, the ultra wealthy are winning and big mama and big papa in the hoods where they misunderstood all over this country, rural, urban or suburban are losing. And this headline right here, just in case you need some more. GOP's desired work requirements for federal aid would kick roughly 21 million from anti-poverty programs. This is the sad state of affairs that we are being led, being led to believe that this is the best that this administration has to offer that actually if you listen to Representative Hakeem Jeffries, we should be kissing behinds and thanking God that we have such public servants that really President Biden has just saved us from those naughty, nasty, rotten members of the GOP. When in fact he did not save anybody from the rotten, nasty GOP. The GOP basically got much of what they wanted. Consciously, I'm just baffled here right now. I, I really am. I'm very, very disappointed because the type of power that this president has, the type of power that the Democrats had in the 117th Congress, for God's sakes, and the fact that they control two levers of power, they control the Senate and the presidency. And this is the best that the American people can get. I think, I mean, we see how the liberalism illustrates 
liberalism in this instance being illustrated in like the kumbaya, we can touch all the American people. It's making it showing that you actually able to have these contradictory statements where you can say I helped all these different people in all these different industries. And it's like, now hold on, you can't help fossil fuel, natural oil and gas and environmental justice. Come Those on, just don't go together. And you just show how you feel like the, the, the selective moral outrage that come from a lot of uh, neoliberal minded liberal people that because you're right, if Trump would have done this, man, we would have had people jumping out the window talking about how much we have to preserve and think about CO2 emissions and climate change and all the buzzwords about ice caps melting. But Joe Biden did it, and we see that, you know, in many instances, we see personality being put over policy, personality being put over the general welfare was going down. And that's just, you know what I'm saying, sadly, what's, 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 what's going on, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the last thing I'll say is that, that there, there is a little bit of illusion of choice going on here. You know, we see that there is a lot of patterns between what the RNC and DNC do, and we recognize their particular industries that don't gotta give a damn about who's in office. Natural gas being one of those ones. You see what I'm saying? That being said, you know, education is elevation, and 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 I think that we end for some shh come 2024 because we have a lot of disarray and chaos that's gonna have a big impact on how people go to the polls, how much people believe going to the polls. How much effort and energy people willing to get into the polls, and then the whole dialogue that you and I got to deal with, with we talking about Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or whatever social media street we gonna be on, it's gonna impact our jobs and how we're trying to raise political literacy, political, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, advocacy. You know, it's gonna make our jobs hard. It really will, uh, conscious, and we want more people to get involved. But people are really feeling suffocated, put upon. They don't believe that these systems work. And when you have two, two political parties who show very clearly that they really do not give a damn about changing or enhancing the material conditions of everyday people in this nation, it really blunts people's belief in the system or their ability or 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 them even wanting to participate at all there is no shortage here they always have opportunities for the the wealthiest to win all the time the ultra wealthy cuz i'm not i'm not i'm not against wealth but the ultra wealthy win time and time again but the people who lose time and time again whether it's a democrat or a republican so far has been the everyday people of this nation. It is a sad state of affairs that we are facing right now at this particular moment in 2023 going into 2024. God knows I am expecting and praying for a miracle. Come on American people, hey, we don't have to accept things. We see how DNC and RNC has a knack of being able to put a black body in front of us and say whatever yeah. the hell they want them to say. Black, black faith in, 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 in high places does not mean that the system changes. Well, that is our show for today. It was so great having Conscious Lee with us. So wonderful to have Attorney General Keith Ellison. Make sure you pick up his book. A break the cycle, sending lots of love to each and every one of you. And you know what I want you to do about this time. Always, always, always keep the faith. But baby, with that faith, if you don't know it, if you don't know it, you got to know it. With that faith, we got to put a whole lot of fight until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Idarola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. 
Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.